0: room, if you can hear my voice, God has something to say to you today. He has something to say to you every single day. And if you want to learn how to hear him on a regular basis, if you want to learn how to understand him, we need to learn how to pray. And our best teacher in how to pray is the book of Psalms. We are in a series called Praying the Psalms, where each week we take an emotion Um, And we filter it through our faith. We filter it through truth of scripture, specifically the Psalms. Um, The author of the Psalms, as we've talked about in the last couple weeks, is a guy named David. And he was your age when he was called into service. And he had all kinds of the exact same problems that you have. The exact same temptations that you have. He has the same questions about life, about his future. He dealt with the same stuff. He felt the same stuff. That you do. So, when I say that you can look to the Psalms for an understanding of who God created you to be and how God moves, you can take faith in the fact that the author of the majority of the Psalms was just like you, wrestled with the same stuff you wrestled with. What David, what made him stand out from his brothers, from his friends, is that while David struggled with all the same things everybody else did and everybody in here does, he was a man called a man of the book. David, when he was assaulted, when he was struggling with a question, with a challenge, didn't just, oh well, didn't just, I'll just do what my friends are doing. He took it to the Lord. When David had a question, when David didn't understand, is this from the Lord, from the world, from friends, he opened his Bible. He went and got the scroll. He went and listened to scripture and then he filtered his feelings. He filtered his question through God's word, much of which he wrote, which is awesome. So David sought answers from the Bible. He took his questions to God. He filtered his feelings through his faith. God expects, God desires no less from us, no less for us. So we're in a series called Praying the Psalms. And I want you guys to be encouraged. You got paper and pen under your seat? Pull that out. And write some prayers. Maybe God will say, like, just one word of my sermon that you're like, oh, I need to totally press into that. I need Write that down. Um, my wife loves to doodle, but her doodles are like she'll draw a little picture of an angel or a, or a book or a sin or whatever. Like, doodle if you want to. But take notes. Help yourself. Remember what God is going to say to you today. So we're in this series called Praying the Psalms where we take a feeling each week, an emotion maybe, and we filter it through our faith. We filter it through God's truth to decide what's real here and what's not, what's temporary and what's eternal. Um, Today's sermon, today's emotion is arrogance. So we're going to be talking about arrogance today, and we're going to filter that through our faith, through the Word. Um, We're going to define it first, what is arrogance? Well, here's our definition. Arrogance is an offensive display of superiority or self-importance, often characterized by an attitude of knowing everything and or needing nothing. You guys, you're at an age where you see a lot of what people older than you have kind of blinded themselves, have kind of grown numb to. I remember when I was a teenager and the feeling of, is this it? Is this all life has to offer, is really just a nice house? And a a pretty car and a a degree from here. Is that really like the end-all, be-all of life? That's ridiculous. That's a joke. I felt it. I knew it. You guys recognize it. You know it. That's not enough. And yet so many of the people that have gone before you have settled for less. But you guys are feeling those things. You're questioning those things. But as you do, you have to be careful that that you don't start having an attitude of, well, you know what? I know everything. Well, these guys have sold out. They don't know anything. You guys, that's not true. Every single one of us in this room wrestles with arrogance. And I know that because the mother and father of arrogance is pride. And pride is the root of every single sin. You take any sinful behavior, and I'll draw a clear line between it and pride. It and feeling, I know best, I don't need anything. I've got it all together. Every one of us wrestles with that. I wrestle with that. So pay attention to this sermon because God's going to speak to that. Just off the top of your head, in the, that definition right there, like do you know anybody that is arrogant? Nobody knows anybody here that's arrogant? I bet you do. Anybody in here, that person? Is that defining? Is that describing you? It's describing me to a T. All right, to think. To live like you don't need God is arrogant. We all need God. To think and to live like we don't need to listen to God is arrogant. To think and to live like we don't need to obey God is arrogant. And we are professionals in our arrogancy. Is that a word? Sounds like a word. All right. For many of you, for the majority of you, I would say, that you are in a season of some really big questions in your life. Raise your hand if you, like, have something big coming up, and you're like, I don't really know. I'd say most of you. Most everybody here, like one person over there. So you're my boy over here. You guys, all of you have some big questions coming up in life. And you're in this season, and, and I, as your pastor, and as somebody that's been there before, I see you guys. And maybe not exterior on your exterior, but inside, I see you in your own mind running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Because you are being assaulted with all kinds of different strategies and solutions to your questions and what's your problem and what way to go forward. You guys have questions in front of you like, should I try that or not? Should I give that a shot? And you just think, what's, what's that for you? That thing that you're being tempted to try and you're like, maybe it's okay, maybe it's not. I mean, pot is like a plant, so I guess it's okay. Yeah, I don't think so. So so many of you are being tempted to say, all right, should I try that or not? Many of you guys are being tempted by, ladies, I'm talking to you, should I give my boyfriend what he's asking for? I mean, she did and she did and she totally did. You're being tempted and questioning, should I give him what he wants? I mean, I love him, so we'll probably get married someday. Yeah, maybe. (coughs) Boyfriends, guys, many of you are thinking, should I... Ask her for that. Should I, should I, should I take that? Because your friends did. You get some big questions. What's that like? You guys have questions like, where should I go to school? Who's wrestling with that question today? Yeah. Where should I go to college? God has something to say to you, even you freshmen, about where he wants you to go to school. He knows where you're gonna go to school, or if you go to school, he knows the best plan for you. You have those questions. Lastly, You're wrestling with the question that David knew so well. Who am I? Why am I here? What's this all about? You guys have those questions. God has answers. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 speaks to this, and it speaks to the wrestling match, the tension between what the world and your friends and your teachers and your parents are saying, a lot of which is good, a lot of which is like, you listen to that? And then over here, the truth, the Bible, God, and here's what that wrestling match looks like. God addresses it when he says, Do not copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way that you think. Then, and only then, will you learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How do we learn to know God's will for us, which is all those awesome things? By letting him transform the way we think. And how do we do that? By immersing ourselves in this book. Ten minutes of uninterrupted time between you and this book is better than any sermon I will probably ever give. Which is a tough thing to say because I depend on you here, coming here to hear what I have to say and to experience, but like I say it. Ten minutes of you with this book uninterrupted, like letting it speak to your soul, is so valuable. And God has stuff to say to you about what you are questioning and struggling with. If you want to know God's will for you in this life, today or a year from now, read the Bible. Let it transform you, and you will understand the right way for you to go. So I want to open this sermon about arrogance. I want to open this sermon about praying the Psalms by just sharing a story from my life that happened last week, um... I just want to read you kind of my quiet time as I asked God about this experience that happened to me, and I want to just encourage you to recognize that, like, what I'm going to tell you is, like, just real and unfiltered, and it's what I experienced, so maybe you're like, eh, I don't know. Well, that's all right, but it happened to me, and I believe it. Um, The scene is, it's last Friday night, and I'm sleeping, and I had a nightmare. Who's had a nightmare before? All right, some of you, all of you. So I had a nightmare. In the nightmare, there was a demon. And I've dreamt of demons before, and I knew it was more than a dream before, but this time it was different. The demon was a a female. It was a female demon, like a witch, I guess. I don't know. That's what it made me think of. Um, And in the dream, like you're never having a dream and you kind of become aware, like conscious in the dream. That happened to me, and I knew that this thing that was happening to me was, was real and it made me feel scared, it made me feel helpless, and I knew there was a spiritual element to my dream. I knew that something was really happening in some dimension, I don't know, maybe even in my room, because my eyes were closed. But I will pause before I go on and just say, has anybody ever had a nightmare that sounds anything like that? Just You just felt there's more going on here than meets the eye. You felt something spiritual is happening. Does anybody have a nightmare that's just rocked their world? Okay, several of you. Does anybody want to share just the scantest of details about what their nightmare was in like 10 or 20 seconds? Lindsay. Lindsay. Okay. Um, so I had a dream and my sister, um, well, it was my sister, but she was like a witch or a demon and she was coming after me and on this side where people like at the church saying, come this way, come this way, come this way, for me. And she was talking to me and, she was walking, and she was like teacher, and I was like a demon and I was like like you were and I felt paralyzed. hmm Well, there's a lot of similarities between your experience and mine. You feel this fear. You feel helplessness. Like there's nobody available to assist you. That's exactly how I felt. Who else? Jack. You don't have to, but talk loud. It, it, exactly what I felt like. Um, I, I've researched this before, because like I've said, I've had spiritual dreams before. It is a common phenomenon. And while people don't necessarily recognize it as the devil or Satan or a demon, you can look at stories online, although maybe you shouldn't, because they're super creepy and gross, but it is a common phenomenon of being trapped in a dream and feeling like there's a presence pressing down on you. People that have never heard the name of Jesus all over the world, that's an identical sensation that they experience. You think that's a coincidence? You think that's just like no big deal? I don't. I think there's something to it. All right, we're going to move on. Um, so I have a nightmare. In, in the nightmare, I'll, I'll just say real quick before I go on, that whatever the demon, the witch, whatever she was, I was interacting with her on a normal basis, and then like that, she like revealed her true colors. And she like thrust her arm out, and I started rocketing away from her, like I'd been punched, and I was frozen in this position, and I was just hurtling through like space and time, and that was the main gist of the dream. It seemed like forever that I was just rocketing away with no control. So I want to encourage you guys to know this before I tell my story. We shouldn't ignore our dreams. Some dreams are just dreams, you know. I dreamt I was chasing a donut, and I didn't have any clothes on, it was very embarrassing, and then there was a Chia pet that told me the future. like. I wouldn't put a lot of stock into that dream, but if you just wake up and you felt like something was there, I would maybe, I would definitely ask God, what did that mean? Because the Bible is clear in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, in the last days, God says, and I challenge any of you that this is not the last days. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. If God clearly speaks to us through our dreams, we should pay attention. When you wake up, you should write it down. And you should always, always, always ask God, what did that mean? So my dream of that experience made me feel when I woke up, God's not with me. Because how could that happen? That dream made me feel God's not for me because how'd that thing come in and attack me? That dream made me feel like I'm not, I'm not praying enough. I'm not doing enough for the Lord. And if I had just woken up and walked away knowing that dream happened and how it made me feel over time, having not addressed that, I would believe it. Because that's how powerful dreams are. I mean, they stick with us for years. So when I woke up the next day, Saturday morning, I went downstairs, I lit a fire in my chiminea, and I had the following conversation with the Lord. This is just my journal entry from Saturday morning. Good morning, Father. Thank you for today. I feel like I encountered a demon in my dream last night, and I don't know what it means. It was a female demon, like a witch, and at first the demon looked like a normal woman with long, dark hair and dark clothes, and in a flash, her face filled with what looked like fury as her skin turned white with accents of neon And she blasted me out of her presence with an outward thrust of her left hand. Now, I've been asking my buddy Andy to draw me some pictures of the sermons, and he's been really obliging, but I feel like I've been abusing it. So I just got online to rip some pictures off of Google. This is what it kind of looked like in my dream. This dark, icky presence is this woman... And she blasted me out when she put her hand, and I just started rocketing. But, like, this doesn't do it justice. In in an instant, I felt like I was a billion miles away and still going. I've never felt myself move so abruptly or so fast. Like, I've been in some fast planes. I've never felt like I moved so fast as when that happened to me. It was as if I was being cast away, rocketing backward through an infinite void and an immediate sense of paralyzed fear and helplessness overwhelmed me. Sinister feelings and thoughts began assaulting me. I had no control. Now, I know now that I was only dreaming, but it all felt very real when it was happening. I recognized the feelings of fear and helplessness from previous spiritual encounters, which you guys have probably heard me talk about just a couple times in my life and I knew that dreaming or not, something else was there with me. And I knew that the only thing that would help me was to say your name out loud. But as with times past, I couldn't get the words out. I recognized in that moment in my dream, I've got to say the name of Jesus right now. Something's happening. I just need, And I, I know confidently if I can say his name, power will come. I, I will be set free, but I couldn't say it. It's like, It was like this. It was like times past. I couldn't get the words out. It was as if an invisible hand was covering my mouth, pressing down on my chest. And whatever was oppressing me did not want the name of Jesus to be spoken. And so I began declaring Holy Spirit, right? I cheated. It's all I could do. But I started yelling in my dream, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. And as soon as I started doing that, the moment was broken, and I finally woke up. And I woke up, and I was freaked out. Now, nothing felt off in my house after I got out of bed and checked on my family and prayed over each of them, just stumbling around in the dark, confused, battered. And I'm just like, Jesus, please protect Charlotte. Jesus, please protect Wyatt. I went over to Brooke, and I'm like, Jesus, please protect Brooke. And she's like, go away. like, I'm praying for you. I'm scared. All right. So nothing felt off, off in the house. And as I got back in bed, still feeling woozy, I kept saying the name Jesus over and over. And each time I did, I felt an actual physical shuddering down the length of both of my arms as if my body was still shaking off the feeling of the encounter. Like a physical sensation as I said the name of Jesus. like It was like, ugh, just get off me. Now I transitioned from... Describing the dream to acknowledging God in my quiet time, and I just said, Jesus, there is such great power in your name. Thank you that I know that. Thank you that I know you. Thank you that things change, power comes, and peace happens at the mention of your name. You guys, as Jack was trying to say, I just needed to scream. Be intentional with your scream, man. Scream the name of Jesus. Awake or asleep, stuff happens, peace comes. Power comes at the name of Jesus, at the name at which every knee in all creation before, now, and before, like later on, we all will have to bow at the name of Jesus. Just don't disregard the power in Jesus' name. So I pray all of that in my journal, and then I finally get to my question, what do I need to know about last night's dream? And I just open my Bible. I have faith in this book. It's the living, active word of God. I don't care if I open to Leviticus and a bunch of names. The spirit in me and the spirit in you will recognize this is, what you, this is resonating. This is some truth. This will lead you to another scripture. And I opened up to Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. And I'm just acknowledging in my prayer, thank God for the name of Jesus. And here is what Psalm 103, 1 through 5 says. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and mercy. And he fills my life with good things. I wake up horrified, horrified. I recount my horror. I ask God, what do you have to say about it? And he's like, you're right to think and know there's power in my name. And by the way, you don't have anything to be afraid of. I love you. I've healed you. I've rescued you from death and bad dreams. And I have good stuff coming. I responded to that scripture. I prayed that psalm by writing out, Lord, you are good. Your name is good, Jesus. And all that you have, are, and will do for me and my family, it's beyond good. I love you. I love your love for us. Thank you for saving us, restoring us, for continuing to keep us safe. My God, someday I will die. I don't know where where that came from. I'm just writing down my praises, and I just just acknowledge someday I will die. Someday every one of us in this room is going to die. I guarantee it. There's no escaping that dark obligation, that battle, it says in Ecclesiastes. I think it's Ecclesiastes. Someday I will die, and yet you have already saved me from that too. I don't even have to be afraid of dying, and neither do you. Psalm 103.12, I just kind of scanned down to the end, and this is the thing that struck me. For God's unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth, and he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Lord, that is exactly how I felt in my dream. In fact, I remember thinking that in the dream as I rocketed away. I was thrust away. I thought, it's like I'm moving as far as the east is from the west. And there was that scripture that God led me to. As if I was being removed from something, a straight and immediate forever distancing. And so that is my prayer. Let whatever evil that was last night be done with us. May it be given no quarter whenever my family and I come into its presence for the simple, forever fact that you are with us. I know now that demon wasn't trying to kill me. How could it? It was trying to frighten me. It was trying to force me away. It was trying to make me question myself and your love for me. Next time, Lord, may it be the demon that has to flee. Next time, may it be the enemy who has to run and hide. You are the king of heaven's armies. You are the king of kings. You are Jesus. You are with me. You are for me and in the name of Jesus I pray for peace, protection, prosperity over myself, my family, my team and all my students. I pray for power. I pray for the light of God to be so brilliant in us that the enemy can't touch us, can't even look at us cannot stand to be in our presence. Amen. You guys remember how I felt going into that experience before I asked God, what do you think? Before I went and listened to scripture, I was feeling God's not for me. I I did something to upset him. I'm in big trouble. I deserve that. In just a simple backyard prayer, which took me about 20 minutes, I came out knowing the opposite. I felt one way and now I know the opposite was true. God was with me. God is for me. And he is pleased with me as he is with you. And really, he was encouraging me, keep doing what you're doing. You guys, the enemy doesn't attack you unless you're doing something valuable in the kingdom. If you feel attacked, if you feel oppressed, if you feel low, be encouraged. You are going somewhere good. So, as awesome as my quiet time was, as encouraged as I was Saturday morning, God had still more to say to me on the subject because I wasn't in here on Sunday, as you probably know. I was in big church promoting your trips to your parents, and I got to sit and listen to a sermon for the first time in like a year because I never get to because I'm over here with you, which I prefer. I love being with you. But there's 1,189 chapters in the entire Bible. It's a lot of chapters. What chapter, what scripture did the main preacher talk about on Sunday. Anybody tell me? Uh, Psalm Psalm 103, the exact scripture God led me to the day before, which I loved and which I wrote out, but I didn't fully understand. And that guy gets up there and he says, Welcome, and this is my story. Today I'm going to be teaching you about a psalm. And as soon as he said it, I was like, It's going to be 103. And then he said, It's 103. And the first five verses that he focused on were the exact verses that spoke to my heart. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all of that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. That was the bulk of his sermon and had three points, and they were this. Do not forget to remember, which I just love the way that sounds, do not forget to remember the blesser, the blessing, and to bless. And that's what God was saying to me 24 hours earlier, and I didn't even know it. I don't care what your life looks like. I don't care what questions you have. I don't care how scared you are, how low you feel. Never forget the blesser. Never forget God, your Father, who loves you. Never forget the blessings. Never be so low that you can't just hit timeout and just take a step back and say, you know what, I'm going to try... To think of one thing I had to be thankful for, my family, my friends, my, my church, the fact that I got gas in my car. And then finally, never forget to bless. God does good things for us so that we will go and share it with others. I'm in a season of questions too, just like you guys. And God is teaching me how to fix my thoughts on him, how to focus on him. And when I'm freaking out, I need to remember, as we all can and should, the blesser the blessings and to bless others all I knew about my sermon as of Thursday morning this past week was that I wanted to share that story with you and I hope it spoke to some of you guys um, but I didn't know how to tie it all together I didn't know how to finish it and so I, I did the same thing I did on Saturday I just sat down with the Lord and I said I got a question I don't know the answer to so I'm asking you I'm gonna do it with my Bible father bless me as I complete my sermon today I wrote out at Panther Creek Starbucks at 6:45 a.m. on Thursday what do you want me to say to the students? Now i open my Bible again, and this time to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1 is a hard passage. It's some strong language from the Lord. It's the people in Isaiah's day were not doing a great job of being themselves, being God's kids. And you might think that they were based on this list, but that's not what God wanted from them. Isaiah 1, 10 through 15 says, Listen to the Lord, listen to the law of our God. What makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Now, God calls us in the Bible to make sacrifices, but here he is saying, I don't want it. It makes me sick. It goes on. When you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts, the incense of your offerings disgusts me. God tells us to worship and to sing, and that's what they're doing. And he's saying, you know what? Cut it out. It's making me sick. As for your celebrations, your special days for fasting, they are sinful and false. I want no more of your holy meetings. I hate your celebrations I hate your annual festivals. They're a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I'm not even going to look. Though you offer many prayers, I'm not going to listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Man, what is that about? God, what do you want me to say to the students? Say that. Sorry, guys. Tough day for, for being you. You guys, let's look at this from their perspective. This is Old Testament times, these are the people of Isaiah, and they have strayed from the Lord, and even though they are Christian, even though they're believers, even though that they are God's chosen people, the Israelites, they're really good at giving God stuff. No one can doubt that, but they stink at giving God what he asked for. Do you remember the very beginning of this passage, what God said he wanted? Because basically, here's what what he's saying. You're giving me all these big, there's not even any, junior high, let's see if there's anything in here, nothing, so it's the opposite, but basically he's saying, you're giving me all these big, showy tithes and offerings, I don't want that, it's like, I got a check for God, check it out, a tithe, I made my offering, I'm awesome, he said, I never asked for that, they're giving him big, showy worship productions with fancy lights, which are making me sweat, and smoke machines. Those are great, because everybody knows you can't have worship without a smoke machine. They're doing all these showy productions, and you know what? That's fine. That's good. I actually enjoy it. It makes for better photographs. But, he says, I never asked for that. They're giving him all these showy parties at church. Come to my church. We're going to have a free barbecue. I had so much fun, by the way, on Wednesday. Come to my church. We're going to have a party. And God's like, I never asked for that. In fact, when you just come to church just for fun, just to see your friends, you know what God says? It's sinful and false. That's some hard language. God basically said, Liar! I have a clip to demonstrate my point. It's short, so don't miss it. This is what God said to them Those eggs were a lie, Stephen. A lie! Uh-huh. They give me no eagle powers, they give me no nutrients. Sorry. Uh-huh. That's what God just said to the people in Isaiah's day. What you are giving me is not blessing my heart. It's not blessing you. There's no power in it. It's a lie. I'm tired of your big showy holidays. Who told you to make Christmas about spending $10 billion, which is about the amount of money it would take to fix the clean water crisis around the world? Who told you to make Easter about a rabbit and eggs? I don't want it. That's not what I asked for. What did God ask for? One more clip okay but i have to yell at you guys listen 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 what did god ask for he started off that whole litany with listen to the lord listen to the law of the lord it reminds me of another clip but i'm not going to show you the clip i'm just going to talk to you about the movie has anybody ever seen this movie They play it like 24 hours a day, the entire month of December. It's like, really? I I get it. You guys, this whole movie is built around one thing. This kid, Ralphie, wants what for Christmas? A BB gun. Specifically, an official Red Rider carbine action 200 shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock. The whole movie, all it's about is the fact that he's telling anyone, everyone who will listen, This is what I want. He tells his friends. He tells his mom. He tells his teacher. He tells Santa Claus. And on Christmas morning, as he's opening his presents with great expectation, he opens the big gift, and it's a pink bunny costume. Look at him. Imagine how he feels. Imagine how God feels when he talks to his family and says, this is what I want. I'm going to tell you in nature. I'm going to tell you through your friends that know me. I'm going to tell you all day in this book, this is what I want, for you to listen to me. That's all I want. And we're like, I got you a rabbit costume. Here, God, put it on. You guys, how do you think that made Ralphie feel? Well, We know. It's just like, wah, wah, which I love. My son says that. It's adorable. You guys, God has made it clear what he wants from us to listen to him, to talk to him, to spend time with him. And we go out of our way and we try and bribe God by, oh, well, I tithe so I don't need to read my Bible today. I worship like loud today, like louder than anybody. I even raised my hand so I'm Good. We go out of our way to be like, do you want me to tell you how much I know about the Bible? Because I know a lot. And God's like, never ask for that. That's not the point. We go out of our way to perform and, oh, I go to church every Sunday for 45 minutes. And God's like, that's not what I asked for. That's not what I want. God wants your heart. God wants your attention. God wants you to spend time with him. To have a conversation with him. What I love about this movie that I never noticed before is that Ralphie asked every single person he knew for this gift. Do you know who he didn't ask, the one person he didn't ask? His dad. He never asked his dad because he was scared of him. And yet even without asking, God gives us exactly what we want. We need to recognize that, we need to enjoy that, we can't call that coincidence. Ask your Father what He wants to give to you. Ask your Father what He wants to say to you about that big question, that big challenge, that big temptation. He's got stuff to say to you. So we're going to close our sermon, and we're going to do exactly that. We're going to pray through some scripture, and we're going to ask God some real, specific questions. Now, before we begin to... Dwight, you guys can come on up here. Before we begin to ask those questions. I want you to consider two things and get them in your brain before we start. And let's do an attitude of prayer. So let's close our eyes, bow our heads, remove distraction. But I got two questions for you. What has God been asking of you? What, what has God been asking for you, from you? Like, what is God asking you in this season of your life? Just think about that. If you don't know the answer, just ask him. What do you, I don't know, what have you been asking me, God? As you consider that, second question. What have you been giving him? If, if this is what God's asking of you, Or if you don't know what God's been asking you, at least consider this, what have you been giving your Father? What have you been giving your Savior, your Lord? We're gonna walk through Romans 12, verses one and two. And I broke it up into four sections you are encouraged to write out the actual scripture that's going to come up. But really what I want you to do is use the scripture to start a conversation with God. And there's a question below each, each piece. And I want you to ask that question. Just write it out conversationally and let's just talk to God and let's give him what he wants. Let's, let's listen. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to just take a minute and answer these four questions. Jesus, We invite you to come and talk to us. You have some things to say that we need to hear. So please forgive us and remove arrogance. Lord, we can't do anything more valuable with our time than sit with you. So bless this time. And we invite you, spirit inside us, spirit filling this room, guide us to ask the right questions. Guide us to recognize right answers. We want, we ask that only your voice can be heard right now.